So uh, eight and a half years ago, I was leading worship at a church in Long Beach, and uh, my cell phone rings, and uh, it was a Motorola Razor, by the way, I just remembered that. Uh, and so, uh, I know, it was awesome. So I flipped it open, and I said, Kirk to Enterprise, uh, or if any of you have had one of those, they were just, I loved that thing. Uh, it said Steve Fitch on it, and at that time, Steve was our superintendent. And so I immediately got butterflies in my stomach. I was very scared. And um, Steve said, there's this church in Garden Grove. Would you um, come take a look at it and maybe consider being the pastor there? And uh, so uh, I did. And Steve and I went through this process, which was probably about six weeks long. And uh, Steve was my boss at the time, essentially. Well, not really, because I hadn't taken the job. So he was just a dude, but uh, I, I ended up uh, getting the job. And uh, from that time, he's walked with me through a lot of different ministry things, and uh, he's become a dear friend, and he's no longer doing the superintendent thing, so I can call him whatever I want. And, um, but uh, I am excited to have him here and excited to have him share all the great things that are going on in this ministry that you've already heard about, um, Eden Reforestation Projects. And uh, so, Steve, why don't you come on up? Let me pray for you real quick. Lord, thank you for my friend. Thank you for his ministry. Thank you for his family. Thank you for his love for your kingdom and for the people of God and for your creation. I pray you'd bless him now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Call me anything you want, huh? (laughs) All right. Eden Projects. Let's take a look at it. Creation care is the most neglected major biblical topic that there is. In large part because in the American church, we've politicized it. You know what I mean by that, don't you? If, If you care about the environment, you're a liberal commie tree hugger kind of a guy. And I've been called that a lot. And I'm not going to tell you where I am when it comes to my politics. But bottom line is, if you'll really allow God's word to speak to you, you're going to find out that the subject is throughout Scripture. And this is a shameless plug, but not asking for money. It's free to all small group leaders. This is a DVD that Maranatha music produced on our behalf, and it's a four-part small group starting with Bible study. And here's, here's the starting point. You don't have to go past Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, to find out that God entrusted creation to the Adam. Now, you think, oh, he just entrusted it to that one guy, Adam. No, to the Adam, to, to man, to humanity. And we get all kinds of doctrine out of the first three chapters of of Genesis, like everybody's favorite doctrine, original sin. How many of you are really happy that happened? You know? Um, But you know this, that that was and is a big biblical doctrine that, that came out of there. We make such a big deal out of original sin and such a little deal out of original calling. And so if Adam could imprint on us that ugly, awful idea of original sin, why can't he imprint on us, the Adam, the original calling? Read this with me, would you? The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden 
to work it and take care of or steward it. Every single time that Hebrew word take care of is found in in Scripture, it is steward. And you know what a steward is. A steward is somebody who's been entrusted with somebody else's property. And I would plead with the people of God not to politicize this subject. Consider God, his creator, made this gorgeous planet with immense diversity, beauty, and on and on in multitudes. And he said, bring order to the garden. Care for it. Steward it. And really, if, if you'll give it a chance, and, and I'd love it if, if the church would consider this, watch this together. You will find out that John is a good catch and that, and that the Bible has a really strong message throughout. That message is if you will take care of the land, the land will take care of you. Conversely, if, if you ignore the covenants, like the covenants that's in Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, those really boring passages that none of us like to read because it's the law, but the law said this is what you need to do, and a lot of the law dealt with how you treat the land. For instance, let the land rest. Don't work it to death. And let's read Exodus 23 together. For six years you are to sow your field and harvest the crops. But during the seventh year, let the land lie unplowed and unused. Then the poor among you will get food from it, and the wild animals may eat what is left. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive groves. And I know you, you look at that and you say, how do you get, what do you get creation care out of that? Well, it, this is one of many times in the Old Testament that they're told, commanded, let the land rest every seventh year. If you do, you'll actually end up with more crops, not less. Don't abuse the land. Let it, re- let it rest. Let it recycle. And they, the Old Testament teaches crop rotation. It teaches very strict commands regarding not cutting down all the trees. There's a verse in there that says, if you find a mother bird with its, in its nest with its eggs, don't take the, the mother and the eggs together. You think, well, what a silly command. No, it's a very practical command. Don't wipe out species like we've done in the last 50 years and and literally hundreds of thousands of species have been eliminated in the world. This is God's stuff. It's not Republican or Democrat, liberal or conservative. This is God's stuff. And he entrusted it to us and he gave very specific guidelines. And one of my urgent desires is to help the church see what the Word of God really says. Because we're living in an era of the greatest ecological crisis in the history of humanity. When I was a boy, I lived in a tropical paradise in the Philippine Islands on the island of Mindanao. When I went back as an adult, it was obliterated. And at that time, there was this enormous debate in the American church about climate change, you know, global warming, blah, blah, blah. And, and I was caught up in that and doing the, you know, the typical, you know, company line. And then I went to, back to my boyhood home and saw the weather had changed. The land had dried out and 
washed into the ocean and smothered the tropical reefs that I used to spend hours and hours and hours snorkeling on as a kid. All the wild animals, I had a pet monkey and a pet parrot as a teenager, they were gone. Not just mine, all of them. <laughs> all of them. And it broke my heart and I was convinced that these things were breaking the hearts of God. And the people were poor poorer than I'd ever seen them. When I was a boy, a Filipino could go out and harvest food all over the place, go into the ocean and spear a fish and eat it, all, almost all gone. And then I started working in Ethiopia, and I learned that they never let the land rest. They never let the land take a break, and it was being destroyed. So that's when I was entering into a doctoral program and I, I felt the stirring of the Holy Spirit to say, in essence, study this and then call the people of God back to this cause. But find an answer, too. And that's where the Holy Spirit really kicked in, and you're going to see the answer. I know you can't see this. Can anybody actually read that? Do you have, anybody have good enough eyesight? To, wow. I don't. But here, here's, this is something that came out of my doctoral program. Here's, here's the bottom line in, of it. When you cut down entire forest systems, when you take the island of Mindanao and you wipe it out, Mindanao is about the size of Orange County, you wipe out the forest, you know what happens? Of course, animal habitat's destroyed and all of the unique animals on Mindanao are gone. That's not good, right? They're gone. Second thing that happens is this is a tropical rainforest historically. And when I was a boy, springs were everywhere, clear flowing uh, rivers and springs and streams everywhere. But forests are the sponges of the world. They take the rain and they filter it down into the ground table, the aquifers. And aquifers leak called springs. <laughs> they also cleanse um, water. Um, or keep it clean by filtering it through the, the leaves and, and, the, and the leaf litter and it flows into the streams and the Filipinos could drink nice clean water. That's gone. Springs have dried up. Waters, the, the, spring, the streams and the rivers are filled with mud from erosion now. Horrible erosion because forests are also the glue of the land that keeps it all in place. Another odd thing, John insisted, in fact demanded, I think, threatened me actually, that if I didn't share this, um, nothing would happen. Um, but bottom line is, is, it's really odd. If this is a mountain out in front of me and this half has forest and this half doesn't, and the storms come in, they divert to the forest side. It's called ionization, by the way. Um, and they're drawn to the forested side. Some rain still hits on this side, but what happens is it, it hits the dry ground and it rushes off and it washes all the soil away. And then you have nothing but muddy rivers. On this side, there's evaporation back up into the atmosphere and it passes on to the next inland section of the land. That, that makes sense, doesn't it? Evaporation takes place and the good water runs in the streams, rivers, and springs over here, there's no evaporation and, and no filtering system. And this, honestly, is local climate change. But it's happening on a massive scale in, in many, many nations, because like in Ethiopia, 97% of the land's been deforested. In the Philippines, 
in Haiti, 99%. So if you will, at very least, local climate change does in fact take place and it's just simple science caused by radical deforestation. And I'm not trying to prove climate change on a global basis, I'm just telling you this is what happens to an island like Mindanao when you obliterate its forest. This is God's stuff that we've been entrusted with. This is God's stuff, okay? And this is what's happened on the ecological side of the equation, the green side. On the brown side, what happens to people is decreased crop yield. You have no soil, you have no water, and you've got chaos from flooding. What happens to your small plot farm? It gets damaged or obliterated. And that was the original calling of Eden. I became friends with President Haile Mariam of Ethiopia. He's now the prime minister, by the way. I get to hang out with him next month. And it's cool. This is a God thing. And he said to me one day, and then over an, a nice social time, Steve, you do good work. You get a lot of stuff done. You've built hospitals, you've built clinics, you've built schools, you've built churches, but you're actually ignoring our greatest national need. You're ignoring an urgency in Ethiopia. The studies all say if we don't reforest, that in 20 to 25 years, our nation's going to be destroyed from what's called desertification, taking good land and turning it into to destroyed land. And he asked me to take over a project that had been abandoned by the European Union. And I'm happy to report, 10 years and three months later, we have now planted 78 million trees. And when I say we, I mean we. You guys have planted like 41,000 of those. That's a lot of trees. Way to go, Living Spring. Let's see if we can't bump that number up. But here's, here's something else that, that happens. These farms fail. And, and what Haile Mariam said is, we're going to have to forcefully remove these farmers from their land because they're going to starve to death otherwise. But what happens most of the time is their farms fail, and then they move to the big cities like Addis Ababa or they move to Anatanarivo, Madagascar. You know, wherever their, their home nation is, they move to the big city and thinking they're going to get a job. The problem is 50% unemployment is already normal. And here's what happens. In these big cities, there are predators waiting, waiting for families, desperately poor families to show up. And they go to these desperately poor families and they approach the father who's the authority in the house, he can't find a job. And they say, you have a cute daughter. You have a daughter. We'd like to hire her and give her a job in our restaurant. And I will give you 10,000 birth if we can take your daughter. He doesn't know what's going to happen, or maybe he does. But girls, especially in third world cultures, are frequently nothing. So he says, okay. And she doesn't become a waitress in a in a restaurant, she becomes a prostitute, forced into slavery, prostitution. And I'm not trying to be dramatic, maybe I am, but I'm telling you the truth. This is what's happening all over the world by the hundreds of thousands every single year. These innocent girls starting off as farmers' daughters or fishermen's daughters 
Their farms fail because of the destruction of the environment. They end up in the cities where they're forced into sex slavery or labor slavery. When I talk to these girls on the streets in Ethiopia or Madagascar or Haiti or Manila, this is their story over and over and over again. So I have a solution. You like that idea, don't you? Because it's almost always bad news. You guys are all looking, oh, crap. I'm, oh, you can't say that in church, can you? Uh, can, do you say that? Never. Never. Okay. Okay. I, I, I actually don't have a lot of filters. Um, my wife tells me the, the, the nerve. She's a doctor of physical therapy, so she knows these things. The nerve between my, the, my brain and my tongue is it's like that big, you know, and, and things go way too fast. So, oh, shoot, you're all looking traumatized. But here's, here's the dynamics. There's really good news. The people of God, and I think especially the people of God, are starting to obey the word of God and realizing we are stewards. And this is the results. And it's based out of a promise, not our promise, but God's promise through us. Read Isaiah 41 with me. I will put in the desert the cedar and the acacia, the myrtle and the olive, set pines in the wasteland, so that people may see and know, may consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this. So the starting point is desert. And they're going to plant trees, both native species trees and agroforestry trees, like olives, in the waste land. And they're going to grow, and they're going to prosper, and it's going to turn into healthy land so that God and the hand of God, which is the people of God, may become obvious as a solution. I really like this promise. And if you'll, if you'll take time to look at the DVD in your small groups, you're going to find out that every major prophet in Scripture has promises like this. All of the, promise, all the teaching that we've had that God's going to come and wipe out the world, there's one verse that suggests that or says that, and you can actually look at it from several different perspectives. But for that one verse that you have probably been taught, there's about 20 verses that say God's going to restore the land. And in Chronicles, or excuse me, yeah, Chronicles, and, and several other texts in the Old and New Testament, we're taught that our Savior will come to redeem all things unto himself, things in heaven and things on earth. And I really like that good news. Give the Bible a chance to speak, and you're going to find it's not terrifying news. Here's what Eden is. We are a nonprofit organization, um, and we're committed to two things. Number one, poverty alleviation. We try to get rid of extreme poverty because that's the number one cause of radical deforestation on the planet. Desperate people doing desperate things to stay alive. So we hire people to plant trees. We hire thousands of people every month to plant millions of trees every month. And we're currently working in Madagascar, Ethiopia, Haiti, and soon Nepal. Just got back from Nepal about a month ago, and it's a definite good-looking opportunity. And all that for 10 cents a tree. And we actually end up with forest for 10 cents a tree. 
I wish I had time to tell you why other groups that do it for a dollar or five dollars a tree don't end up with a forest, but the simple answer is that, that Eden Projects works through the connections, reliable infrastructure of the people of God spread throughout the world. It's awesome. So here's some before and after stuff, starting with our nurseries. We, we have really big nurseries, and bottom line is people always ask, well, where do you get your trees? We grow them from seeds, you know, little, little things. We put it in dirt and water. People say, you have a doctorate. You must be really smart. Let me just say this. Trees have been growing all by themselves for a really long time, <laughs> even before I earned a doctorate. And I know that's surprising even to God, but the, these trees have been doing just fine. And farmers, we take farmers and we take fishermen that are used to growing stuff, and we say, okay, here's dirt, here's seeds, here's water, put them together, woohoo, you get a tree. And, and it's a mystery to some. But then we pay the people to grow the seedlings, to plant the seedlings, and to guard the seedlings. Because people always ask, how do you know they're not going to be cut down again? Well, first, all these villagers fall in love with their restored forest. And then they're paid. And then a lot of the trees are agroforestry trees for their benefit. And then we hire guards that guard it. So that's the name guard. Um, So it's really, really exciting. So start in the nurseries and start on desert land like the Isaiah 41 text said. This is 2005 at the Three Hills Project at Uduwatete. I'm not sure what that means but we'll make up something later. Uduwatete. And you can see it's desolate. Here it is three years later, and it's better. Here it is ten years later, and it's lush. And I want to promise you this. It's crawling with wildlife. Birds everywhere. I was there about three years ago, and people were saying, well, we see the birds, we see the small mammals, and we see you know, reptiles and things like that, but are the predators back? And then God, in his sense of humor, had two hyenas run right in front of us. I said, yeah, they're back. Yeah. And it's so much fun to see God's systems in cooperation with people just doing simple, effective things, restoring the land, restoring creation. Here's another project site in Ethiopia up in the Sidama Highlands. You guys go to Starbucks, you'll buy Yirga Chafe, coffee from Ethiopia. That's this area. By the way, about four years ago, five years ago, I had an Ethiopian farmer come up to me and say, could you please tell Mr. Starbucks to pay us more? And I, well, I actually don't know Mr. Starbucks, but uh, if I do, but here's Yirga Chafe area, Sidama Highlands, before and here's after. Just in case you're confused, let's go back. This is bad, this is better, this is really good. This is bad, this is a whole lot better. And this is the hand of the Lord restoring the land. Here it is in Madagascar. We've been working there for seven years. And this is called a mangrove swamp. Anybody know what a mangrove is? These These are very unique systems worldwide on coast. Um, they, these are trees that grow in salt water. You know when you watch a scary movie and they're in a swamp? Usually in the United States, that's a cypress swamp. There's two types of species groups that, that can actually grow in salt or brackish water. Cypress and more temperate and more tropical, they're called mangroves. And they have these crazy spider leg root systems that grow up above the water line because the, the tides come in and out twice a day and they're the biggest root systems on the planet. And they can, they can actually 
survive in salt water, and they, they provide enormous benefits that I don't have time to talk about. But here's an example of our first project site. And you can see the land is devastated, and you can see some seedlings beginning to grow here. But here is that same exact spot five years later as one of our key leaders is paddling by. And you see the incredible lush growth that's been restored. This is high tide. But here is an example of lower tide where you see these crazy root systems. And these root systems are so important because fish and shrimp and crab and all kinds of, of species that actually live in the coral reefs have part of their life cycle in here. They, they lay their eggs in there or they, they allow their young to be protected in this, this complex mesh of, of root systems where bigger fish can't get at them and eat them. And none of us want our babies to be eaten by big fish, right? So not even fish do. And, and this is what happens when you cut down these um, incredibly complex systems. Within two or three years, the reefs begin to die because the reproductive system is disrupted. You guys remember the tsunami that hit the Indian Ocean? Um, you remember that a few years ago? Indonesia, uh, Thailand, um, India, 350,000 people lost their lives. One of, the, one of the consequences to cutting down these mangrove systems was the, the coastal buffers were eliminated. Where there were mangrove systems in place, the tsunami had minimal effect. Where they were cut down, it wiped out everything inland, God's systems. And we're seeing these restored. By the way, we're planting about a million mangrove trees every single month. That's a lot, by the way, in case you're, you're not mathematically inclined. Um, and it's hard to get a good before and after shot of a mangrove swamp because you're, you're in flat mud, and when you stand too long, you begin to sink. And uh, that's not as much fun as it sounds. <laughs> we don't have before and after shots for Haiti yet because... We're just starting again in Haiti this last year. Our first team in Haiti was waiting for me in a three-story building. I was due to fly in the next day, and that building pancaked in the, in the earthquake. And all of our leaders were either killed, wounded, or displaced. That was not a good day. That was a, that was a heartbreak day. But... We know God had called us to that, and we're not giving up, and we've started anew, and we have a different approach now. We've taken prioritization on the next generation, not the current generation that can hardly be influenced, but we've come up with a coloring book curriculum, and we go into all the schools, and we teach the children through a coloring book curriculum. This is in English, but the Obviously, there's a Creole version, um, Haitian version. And they learn as they go through this coloring book that creation is beautiful, but when you, just, when, you, when you ignore or abuse the land, you make everything so bad. And we're trying to get into their hearts and their minds that they can do new things, different things, better things. And we teach little by little that they can plant new trees and learn new ways to cook the food. And we literally have schools now where every child is going to grow a minimum of 10 seedlings. You think, wow, isn't that difficult? No. Seed, dirt, water. 
you know, it's, it's, it's pretty easy. And they, they, they grow their little tubed nursery sets. The older kids are going to do more like 100. And they also influence their parents. Because going back to the slide here, why is the Dominican uh, Republic forested and Haiti deforested? It's real simple. Charcoal. The Dominican Republic uses propane to cook. Haiti uses charcoal. And you have to cut down live trees to make charcoal. And Haiti has seven years of live trees left, and then they have no more fuel wood. So it's becoming quite urgent. And so we are teaching, through the coloring book system, reforestation and also influencing the parents to go to propane. And we're providing a discounted propane stove to the ladies. And by the way, charcoal, you, you cook all your life with a charcoal stove inside an enclosure, you're going to end up with some kind of lung disease. And when you sit with a group of Haitian women, they're all coughing. The last time I sat with them, they were all coughing and they were telling me they had colds. And I said, how long have you had colds? Oh, we always have colds. This isn't a cold. This is charcoal smoke. And they all went, oh. And then we brought in a propane stove. And there was no smoke. And guess what? It cost $15 less a month to have propane as opposed to charcoal. So it's saving them a lot of money. $15 is a lot of money for them. And they don't end up with lung diseases. Simple solutions to complex or seemingly complex problems. But they're going to end up like what we have in Ethiopia at our schools. A school forest. Where the kids are going to be able to sit under nice, cool trees. You want, you want to talk about local climate change? Sit under a tree and then go sit out on the street, which is cooler, you know. It, it's really a lot cooler under the trees, and the kids are loving it in Ethiopia. But that's the tree side. Here's the human side. And I've got so many stories like this, and this is my favorite because it was one of the earliest. Mamani Sisi is one of our workers in Madagascar. She was our first-generation worker in MAD at, at uh, Mahabana. And these are her children. And these are her children now. And these are beautiful young ladies and handsome young men. And on a regular basis, by the way, that's Mamani Sisi there on the, what is that, your left. And on a regular basis, wealthy men come up to Mamani Sisi and offer to buy her daughters. They're beautiful. They're educated. They, they even speak English, which is a big deal in their culture. And you know what Mamani Sisi does? She's not desperate anymore. So she says, no, hit the trail. And I love that so many of our leaders and our workers are able to say no, no, no. Because bottom line is, they have a job. They're not desperate. They've learned a whole new way of life in so many ways. So this is what we do. We hire primarily disproportionately women because, you know, gals lean into this a little bit, you know, literally. I don't know if anybody's ever told you this, but women tend to be more responsible. Uh, should I, is that, is that bad? Yeah, okay, never mind. I didn't, we, we can edit the tape. It's easy. But 
it, it's, it's so true. The women with the pressure to care for their children, they consistently save the money, invest the money, send their kids to school, care for the finances, start microenterprises, do all kinds of responsible stuff that I love. And these ladies work and they, they fall in love with the forest that they've, that they've grown. And even when they're hit with disabilitating diseases, they now have the money to care for themselves. This, this woman has a goiter. We don't see goiters in the United States. You see them all the time in third world nations. Here's her story. this is just one example, but I think you're, you're all going to agree with me on this. You don't want somebody from another country coming and providing you with money to educate your children. You want to have a job so you can educate your own children, right? I'm all for sponsoring kids. I personally sponsor two kids through International Child Care Ministry. I think it's a wonderful ministry. I think everybody ought to give it a shot, but ultimately there's not enough sponsors to pull that off. But what if people had a job and they could send their own kids to school? Doctors Without Borders, missionary doctors are great, but what if people had enough money to go to the doctor when they're sick because they had a job? And the list goes on and on. That's what Eden does. We don't give anybody anything except employment, and their job is to heal creation at their local level. So far, since March 2005, we've planted, as I said earlier, 27 million trees. We're adding about a million and a half every month. We've reforested about 19,500 acres of land. That's one and a half times the size of Garden Grove, in case you're wondering how much. We are able to dramatically increase that. We're currently planting about 18 million trees a year, and we're capable, as I said, of expanding greatly. We, we know that we know that we know we can go to 75 million trees a year, adding 75 million trees a year more in the next 18 months if funding is not an issue. 10% of our trees are agroforestry trees, fruit trees, fuelwood trees, fodder trees, you know, trees for human use because humans need wood, right? We're not suggesting you can never harvest the trees, just don't obliterate the whole forest. We're teaching responsible forestry management. We have about a thousand full-time equivalent employees and these people, these employees and their families have been lifted out of extreme poverty and so they're sending their kids to school, etc. So the cycle that I look, we looked at earlier is now being reversed and if you want to learn more about that cycle in detail, that's in that four-part uh, Bible study series that small group leaders are welcome to have at the, at the booth in the back afterwards. A lot of people ask, what about evangelism? 
My opinion as I read the New Testament is Jesus went in consistently and he healed the sick, he fed the hungry, he cared for overt and obvious needs. The, the tendency of the American church is to preach first and then say, get better. Jesus made things better and then he earned the right to be heard. That's what we're trying to do with Eden. And if you donate to Eden, it's shameless to some people up here promoting your own work, but bottom line is if you donate $10 a month, you're going you're gonna to hire a person to plant trees. That's what the money's going to go for. But then our missionary partners, and we've got them, wonderful missionary partners who usually lead our work in the field, they are provided with a dramatic increase to share the gospel. And in all actuality, because they've been given jobs and their environment has been restored, they are sharing the gospel. And then they use words too. <laughs> okay? So guys like Islam Bey, that means big Muslim. <laughs> He's one of our managers. We hire without prejudice. You want a job? We'll give you a job. Islam Bey and so many thousands of others have now opened their hearts to Christ because we earn the right to be heard. And we're planting Bible studies and churches through the missionaries in all these villages that we're working in, and it's just one more way that the good news is shared. So that's the end of my story, and now Pastor John is going to come and wrap things up for us. One of the uh, great things about Eden and, and the other uh, organizations that we are, are partner with, ELI and all that, is that to make, to, to, to actually ha change is so easy. It's like 10 bucks a month is like the easiest thing you can do. And so we have, we, we're making it even easier. This is Living Springs Group. Um, and so uh, Living Spring as a church, we donate to Eden as part of our budget. Um, but really, where, where, where it's really important is where you and I individually, not, not, not we just put it on the church to do it, you and I individually do it. And so what we can do is go on this website, it's uh, Eden Projects, and then uh, you get to their website, and then we're just slash Living Spring. I'll show you that link in a second. But so far, we've raised $4,100. We want to raise $10,000. Uh, and so we've planted 41 a thousand trees so far. Just our little church has done this. And so you can go online, you can click donate now. And this is the cool thing about Eden Project. So let's say you're at work and everyone's talking about climate change and the typical rhetoric, uh, you're either Republican or Democrat and they start arguing, uh, you know, about, you know, blah, blah, this and that. Just go like this, blah, blah, blah. That's what you say, okay? And then everyone will look at you like, what? And you're like, why don't you do something about it? stupid or whatever you want to add there and then you can show take them to our link so let me let me just uh show you something real quick so this is it right here www.edenprojects.org forward slash living spring ten dollars a month is a hundred trees per month and it provides two days labor of employment if we can get 20 families which we can totally do 
uh, at $10 per month. And a lot of us, a lot of us can do more than that. Um, times 12 months is 24,000 trees and four full-time Living Spring employees. Uh, so they'll say, like, how big's your staff at Living Spring? It's like, oh, we got like 50 people, you know, because we'll just include the Ethiopian people. Um, and so uh, let's read this again together. I will put in the desert the cedar and the acacia, the myrtle and the olive, set pines in the wasteland, so that people may see and know, may consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this. 